0: Welcome back to another episode of Encourage, Bill Grow. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. I'm excited to be here today. I have gotten another good friend of mine. And if you've noticed the theme, the ongoing theme here is that I'm basically twisting people's arms that I know personally and saying, will you come on my podcast? And eventually they will capitulate and say, yes, Randy, we'll be on your podcast. Now, seriously, though, I got a chance to connect with Tiffany Olson, who is the director of marketing for ISG up in Minnesota. And Tiffany is a good friend, but she agreed to be on the podcast. And Tiffany, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. You didn't have to twist my arm too hard. So <laughs> I, I do it anytime for you. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Well, like I always tell people, you know, people that, that work in marketing, most marketers, if, if they're afraid to talk to you, you got a real problem. You got a bigger problem <laughs> than anything else. So. But no, no, it's great to have you on the podcast. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about who Tiffany Olson is, outside of being a Patriots fan, which, you know, I won't. I'll let what happened on Sunday night just go by the wayside. For those of you that are listening to this podcast later, her Patriots beat up my Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm definitely far removed from that drubbing. So I'll give you your (laughs) clue and tell you that your 42-year-old quarterback looks really good, and I don't know who's going to stop them this year. So we'll see what happens. But on a brighter note, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about Tiffany Olson and tell us about that great firm that you work for up in Minnesota.
1: Absolutely. And the Vikings did win that day as well. So it was <laughs> at least a peaceful peaceful Sunday all across the US. But no, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. As you noted, I have, have deep East Coast roots, originally from Boston, but I've been in Minnesota for about 15 years and really found my niche in the marketing world with ISG, who you mentioned I work for, architecture engineering, environmental and planning firm. That's a mouthful. But the what's really important is just my whole career, I've been really focused on that B2B side of the world and how can we communicate, connect, and make an impact so that we design better areas, that, you know, we're communicating with those that help our economy, the development and the art of marketing is not sales. It's it's not project management. It's kind of everything in between and the, the creativity. So I got my MBA at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, so I could become even more dangerous in some of the skills and expertise that I can bring to the table. But presently, for the past five years, I've been with ISG really trying to help, along with the rest of my fellow employee owners, take the firm to the next level. And we're doing something different here. I think that's what keeps me going, keeps me motivated. And marketing is not just an extension of administration or a task. It's just, it's who we are. It's at the core of ISG, and that's what fuels me every day. I like to, I like to be in the driver's seat of creativity, but at the table with some really stellar folks, and I have that here at ISG, and that's what I'm hoping I can bring to this podcast too—is just share some some fun experiences, lessons learned, and everything else along the way. And my two little ones that I have and my husband keep me busy and as cool as I can be. So hopefully, I can have some humor in the process. Well, there you go. I mean, I love that.
0: So so tell me a little bit, because I know that ISG is kind of on a tear now as they continue to expand. You guys are in, obviously, you're based out of Mankato. You've got offices in, in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities area. You also have offices in Iowa. You have offices in South Dakota. Where else are you guys located?
1: Yeah, you bet. We're technically in four states right now. There's 10 offices. So those states, you obviously mentioned Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota and Wisconsin, I'm really in the yeah, the urban core areas, so we can you know talent is what drives us we're not selling brains by the hours by any means, but our people are what makes the difference. so we have Green Bay, lacrosse, Minneapolis, Sioux Falls, to some people. those may not be urban core areas, but we are intentional and in everywhere where we're located, and we do have clients nationwide, so that's been the fun part of going out to North Carolina or Washington for commercial clients so We focus on world domination as much as we can.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love that. You gotta love that. Well, you know, since you opened that door and you talked about the fact that you are doing business everywhere, customs aren't the same in every location, right? How people do business in Minnesota may be different than how they do business in North Carolina. How do you as a marketing professional craft or help the rest of your team craft their message when communicating to these different parties and different parts of the country for all that for the for that purpose.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that you know, just that question itself resonates deeply with me just because even being from the East Coast, how business is handled over there versus Midwest, that certainly ranged true. What we've really tried to do and, and marketing's, I feel like, has been a solid part of the process, is really kind of looking on that at that contextual side of what we do. So it's not just a design principle, but you know, who are we talking to? What's the context of the environments? Where are we trying to go? You know, we can say that we have a listen first approach, which we do, but you have to balance that with context. So we're really trying to focus with all of our 315 plus employee owners, you know, how can we get to better decisions faster and how can we do that without forcing our will and our ideas on people because we need to be collaborative. So. It starts a lot with the mindset. I don't know that the actual activities that we do are earth shattering, but it's we spend so much time on the front of don't just look at a situation for face value, look at the context of where it is. How can we listen first and, you know, listen to understand versus listen to reply? And then what can we do to then articulate that and follow up and make sure that. We have a competitive advantage with something tangible. So it's a lot of principles and practices versus like some, you know, some crazy software or fancy, you know, word template that we put out there. It's really kind of like the mantra of what we try to live by and feel like that, you know, leadership and marketing, we're really trying to promote that at all levels.
0: Yeah. And so tell me, how do you kind of take that, the whole, the principles that you were just talking about, how do you take that and marry it to, the understanding for design professionals. I mean, you're not a classically trained engineer architect, but you work with them on a regular basis. And I know certainly sometimes there may be some disconnects, but what do you find are that, what do you find necessary in order to get your point across from a marketing perspective so that the rest of the team, i.e. the senior leaders, the project managers, and those in the trenches that are actually doing the work so that they have a fundamental understanding of what's going on?
1: Yeah, you bet. You know, it's a good question of, you know, storytellers, not lies, but storytellers is what we try to promote our marketers to be of, you know, be that journalist and let's connect with the professionals that are architects, engineers, maybe more focused on the project or the specific service, or they zero in on something that the client says. And let's get back up and ask those journalistic style questions so we can extract that. All those professionals, they have all of those communication answers and skills within them. It's just not intuitive for them to lead with that. So we're trying to make more of a journalistic storyteller sort of approach right off the bat of let's ask those questions. So it's about the client, it's about the end result, the experience, where we want to go. Let's get those out of the way and identify it and written down and, you know, on a post-it note and guiding our interactions before we start jumping into the weeds on a technicality that, yes, we need to deliver on, but you can't go there until we start at the top. So it's really that question-style journalistic approach that I'd feel sums up what we try to do. So do you guys, I
0: mean, because obviously you got it down cold and, and you fully understand the nuances required in order to be effective with that type of approach. What are you guys doing internally to kind of prepare the rest of the team to think that way? Because I know that, that, you know, again, you know, when I, as I've traveled around the country and talked to engineers and architects, you know, they say to me, Randy, you know, I just don't understand this. I mean, this is, you know, can I just talk to them about the project and be done with it? And I'm like, no, you know, you, you said it perfectly. you got to create a story, right? People don't remember the facts and figures that you give them, but they'll remember a story all day long. And if you can weave a pertinent story or a narrative into your process of any project, it will resonate more with people and it will it won't fall on deaf ears. For and I'm sure. just curious to know what are you guys doing to kind of set that up and to help people get more into that story making mentality or story making mode.
1: One thing we're trying to do and we certainly and myself cannot take credit for it. It's been promoted and shared by many folks that I think get that storytelling aspect, but the empathy mapping. We say that as a firm, we really try to be empathetic. And again, big difference between empathy and sympathy, but that empathy mapping is huge. And, you know, the, the Cliff Notes version of what that is, it's, it's just, you know, we go through our highs and lows and we think that, you know, when it were high, as far as it's at a good spot and or where we want to be that somehow everyone else is. But yet when you put yourself in somebody else's shoes, your high may be their low. So to understand the experience they go through, things that are important to them, and then marry that with what our empathy and our highs and lows are, I think is starting to hit the mark because it allows people to identify, well, this is how I like to do it and this is how I see things. And we kind of turn the tables of, you know, so how do you think that is on the other side of the table? And what experience are they going through? And when you identify those gaps, you kind of start to go, "All right, I should spend a little more time here." This is why it's important for us to identify the why and the how and and the experience up front because it builds confidence throughout. So you know, it's it's almost like a psychology practice, and none of us you know have PhDs by any means, but <laughs> just kind of that, just kind of that natural process. I think is something that we're really trying to work towards because I think it takes a technical mind and allows them to put on a different hat that maybe they're not accustomed to.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's funny, I think more and more firms, design firms, that is, are understanding this process and are hiring people like yourself and others to be able to engage their employees at a high level to have this conversation and help them to develop their communication habits and to grow with them. Because I think it's, I mean, to me, it's communication is one of the most important things. Outside of leadership, without solid leadership and a desire to just ultimately see people become better at everything that they do, communication is to me the lifeblood of any design firm.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we even try and instill it, and I don't relate this in a promotional way, but we even try to look at office leadership and market leadership way different than, you know, that's the person that holds the book of business and has the magic wand and the fancy office. It's their core role is to help guide in that sense because we know the stronger they are at the summiting that message, the better results we get all around. And I think that's even a differentiator when businesses can look at those leaders as not just the revenue drivers that are coming solely from their actions, but yet it's more of a trickle-down effect.
0: Yeah. And so where do you see things going because this industry is rapidly changing? I mean, obviously how civil engineers design things hasn't fundamentally changed a whole lot, but the overall industry is changing. The way people are engaging in how they do business, there's so much consolidation taking place in the design space. How do you measure and deal with all of that change that's happening and still stay constant with the services that you're offering and making sure that you're giving the client the best product and service possible?
1: You know, it's, it's a loaded question for sure. And I think, you know, I'd probably after the podcast, I'll think of 30 more things I could add to it. But I know initially, you know, I think one thing that we're definitely trying to do, and I know those that are at the top of their game are as well, is it's that contextual design principle. We can't design just just things. You know, it's, it's not a square footage or a site with X amount of acres. You rocket that and you keep moving on. Everything is connected. There's a holistic view to everything. And in order to to make our world a better place and start making sure there's intentionality in what we're doing, I think we're really focusing on that contextual design aspect of yes, you want this, but let's make sure we take in our surroundings and what else is impacted by that and how can we make sure that multiple objectives are achieved. And then the other part too is, you know, obviously we all get smarter, whether on the client end or the professional end and we have to be so cognizant to that communication you brought up of community engagement now isn't just on you know a fancy park or a convention center. It's on every project. And to make the world work, we're really focusing on, it doesn't matter whether it's a water tower or a street reconstruct, we have to do the same amount of communication and effort to make that go well for the betterment of the cities and the clients as we would for something that's maybe more commercial and, and sparkly.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think even as you mentioned that with regard to community engagement, and I, I'm always telling people, I think you know you should get involved with the stakeholders in your community early and often, even when there may not necessarily be a project in place. Because when you build those relationships, right? Which we know relationships are the lifeblood of how we do business. People do business mm-hmm. with people that they like. Relationships are built that way. I mean, that's how it is, and. I think people need to think about how do I go out and intentionally develop something that's, that is a relationship that's not necessarily a quid pro quo. You do something for me, I'll do something for you. But it's more like, hey, let me find out what you're struggling with or what you're dealing with and I'll share with you what we're focusing on. And then you kind of go from there, even when there isn't something at stake. Which, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, and I see firms changing in that mindset a lot where they're they're reaching out and calling clients just to call them they're calling and connecting with community stakeholders on a regular basis just to check in with them and see how things are going and not necessarily trying to sell them anything. And so you as a marketer, how do you articulate that value add that that type of relationship building brings to the table for the rest of the team? Cuz you get it. I mean, most marketers get that, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. how how do you translate that to the to the average design professional?
1: You know, I think a lot of it is, you know, we all have perceptions or or misperceptions when it comes to terminology. And we're trying to take, you know, the marketing title off of it. You know, everyone can give their definition of marketing and each definition would be different. So we're trying to say, you know, it's it's not a, a marketing function, a sales function, a PM function. It's a return on relationship, and we we kind of have a collective group that just tries to further that message, so that there isn't that mindset of, well, I don't need to do that because this isn't a marketing worthy project. It's no, it's it's a it's a relationship based opportunity, and you got to have that three legged stool to be able to to stand upright and. We have to just kind of make sure folks know that the toolbox isn't relative to the project, that it's no matter what, we have to include these opportunities. We have a client engagement person that actually sits half in marketing and half in the PM side to kind of help guide that. Of yeah, maybe the creative ideas are coming from a marketing brain, but the execution and the awareness has to be outside of the department. So we're trying to strategically place people in the right positions, the right discussions. But, you know, specifically to your question, it's, it's, it's just got to be a constant focus. It can't be one project gets all the attention, we go all in, and the, the other 90% don't. So we're seeing a greater role in marketing, greater resources that we need, and more non-traditional roles. It's not just the social media person jamming out posts, and it's not just the videographer that's making cool commercials we have to have more dynamic folks so then we can integrate and really just make one team, not a marketing extension of, you know, XYZ.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you take away that compartmentalization that everybody feels like they have something to bring to the table.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you, you
0: know, I, we, we do have a lot of listeners that are younger in their careers, some that are just getting out of college and, and maybe, you know, they weren't necessarily prepared for what they will have to do down the road in their career when it comes to marketing and communication. What pieces of advice would you have for those individuals, those listeners of our podcast that are kind of new to the industry? Because I I know you see it all the time with the people that you interact with there at ISG, especially the younger folks. And I would just be curious to know, what are you telling them? What kind of encouragement, what kind of lessons are you providing to them to kind of help equip and prepare them for what the future will hold for their career, especially when it comes to marketing and communication.
1: For sure. I mean, I love that question, too, because, you know, we all have this idea when we're young or other people do of like what this job looks like. It's easy to be, you know, say this is what a police officer and a doctor and a firefighter and blah, blah, blah. But for marketing, you know, I think when someone has that creative mindset, if they want to know the why and they want to know the how. Of you know, that storyteller and they have the creativity to understand how to execute when you get those, we call them, you know, gold nuggets of information. You know, it doesn't matter if if you're more interested in promoting those answers electronically or you're someone that's more graphically inclined. I think the art of marketing is really someone's brain that ticks in that sense that you want to dive deep. You want to understand that connection and how to communicate And then there's expertise and joy in figuring out a platform that helps bridge that gap. And I think we've opened the doors to people that maybe in a general sense were like, I'm not into marketing. I'm not a writer or I can't design anything. You know, I've I've been in marketing for 15 years. I can promise you that our creative manager does not want me in InDesign on a regular basis. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a graphic designer. I am, you know, but it's more of, that strategic understanding that I think the more folks understand, if your brain ticks that way, there's an opportunity in marketing. And then you can specialize in some technical ability to get things across, figure out if you are the writer, the organizer, whatever that may be. But if your brain's ticking that way, there's tremendous opportunity, whether in AE or other industries, because that is just so vital to where the business world is going. We need those people, those brains and then add a little creativity and flair to it, and you're going to be a triple threat.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I actually absolutely love that. And I'm encouraging, especially young people coming out of school to, to read more, to to engage both sides of their brain equally, because then that creates a much complete, a much, I know there's no such word as completer, but a, a much more complete individual that is able to tackle project problems as they come and arise and, and are able to deftly you know, resolve them with a greater understanding. So I think it's, I think it's just, for a sure. so, so what, what, uh, what does the future look like for, for, for you guys at ISG, especially when it comes to, to marketing and communication, what are you seeing down the road? Are you worried about the economy or you guys are just kind of steady moving forward?
1: Yeah, I know it's a, it's a good question we definitely we don't have any arrogance so there's always a sense of worry cuz people that aren't arrogant are very aware of you know we got to fight hard there's nothing that's given to us but i think what helps us is that we're multi market there's 12 markets that we serve markets not being geography but you know healthcare education so when one is maybe down the other you know goes up so there's a little bit of stability in that and the fact that we have multiple services within the firm to be able to provide that value. But we do see, you know, obviously there's areas where there's specialty positions that we're looking at, you know, is it an additional talent acquisition? Is it a geographic ad so that we can be closer and extra responsive to the markets that we specialize in? But relative to marketing itself, we're seeing a, a ton of opportunity. On that community engagement side, so every project is, hey, you know, we need a webpage, we need someone that can help facilitate our stakeholder engagement. We also want branding and wayfinding. We're spending millions of dollars on infrastructure and buildings, and you know, how can we make sure that that doesn't, you know, look off in wherever the environment that it's sitting? So marketing is playing a greater role in actually kind of rolling up our sleeves in the design area. By no means getting an honorary AIA or anything, but Mm-hmm. just people seeing value in how that can play into things. And then our challenge that is a fun challenge is let's make sure that we don't lose sight of marketing within the firm and the mentorship and all that great stuff you and I discussed. So that means more horsepower, more dynamic talent, but a lot of fun opportunity and projects out there. Yeah. And
0: then last
1: the last hat that I'm going to
0: ask you to put on real quick, because it is an issue that we all deal with in this industry. And that is the recruitment and retention, right? I mean, every firm mm-hmm. is complaining that they don't have enough qualified people to do the work that they have on their plate, and that's just that's that's a problem that is across the board in the design industry. What are you doing, or what are you guys seeing that is being successful in terms of? And I'm not asking for state secrets. I just want to know what do you, <laughs> you know. What, what are the thoughts or ideas that you have found? Work when it comes to not only keeping really great people, but also just putting the word out and and connecting with really great people that could ultimately become employees at ISG.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head too. I mean, whether it's marketing or the firm, I mean, talent is definitely, you know, the. The focal point for a lot of folks, and in marketing specifically, we talked about the misperceptions of what a career in marketing is. We have that issue of, you know, some positions are easier to fill than others, and usually the ones that are, are the ones that aren't in high demand. So there's a patient process that we're working through of really trying to get ahead and getting to folks at that high school level, looking at externships really getting involved with the colleges, you know, at the freshman year, and getting on boards and trying to influence and educate before minds are made up. And now you're in the 22, 23 year old category of you're just trying to make an offer that's monetarily bigger than somebody else's, and say you have a foosball table and beer every Friday. <laughs> you know, like how can how can we make the negotiations? pretty much non-existent because you've helped them find their strengths, educated on what reality is of the opportunity. And then, you know, if we do our job as a firm, the cool factor is obvious. There's an ESOP component that we intentionally did as a firm of 100% ESOP. We went basically, you know, from your standard shareholder arrangement right to 100% ESOP. So, there's also kind of a level playing field of there isn't the ivory tower and the fancy folks that you know go to Hawaii and the rest of us don't it's kind of an all in mentality that helps and i think if we get on the front end we're getting people in the door that then realize that benefit but it's hard i mean it takes a lot of man and woman power we're we're having to go outside the office spend hours and time and sponsorships and engagement to create that pipeline but we know that it's worth the effort and we have a talent engagement individual who actually has a marketing background She's the director of that of that area that that's her continual focus is we call it extension versus retention. and we actually pick that up from somebody else. We can't coin it. but you know, <laughs> what can we do internally? But then we can't just be throwing stuff up on LinkedIn and indeed and think the world's gonna change. you know, how can we get referrals? How can we get to the the front of it? And you know every time it seems like a lot of work, we're pleasantly surprised because the benefits are shown immediately because we get that pipeline, we get that referral, and then we get loyal employees versus those that just, you know, had seven things on their desk and chose what was the shiniest for, as an offer, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that shiny object syndrome only lasts for so long that things get tarnished. So it, mm-hmm. it, it is yep. it is. So you, you have to uh, engage and keep people. And I, and I honestly thought you guys moving to an ESOP was a was a genius move and I think it's a good move for a lot of firms and, and while I don't really get into a lot of discussions about, you know, firms changing their ownership status and all that, I've just seen, you know, because I've had a chance to spend some time with your company and talk to just mainline individuals, they all are super proud to be owners of ISG. And I think a lot of, that has a that carries a lot of weight and it's huge. And so firms that are certainly thinking about eSOPs, I mean they they should look into it and and look at the success stories in the design industry that have utilized that approach because it does work. And it's a lot of work involved, but it certainly does work. And its I think it's just one component that adds to the retention or extension, as you mentioned, and the recruitment piece of it. But I think it's just a problem that we're going to have across the board in this industry for a, for a time to come because there just aren't enough people going into engineering and architecture. Period in the store for sure. So that, mm-hmm. that that in and of itself is the real issue. And until we start to figure out a way to make civil engineering a little bit more sexy, and to make architecture a little bit more sexy, and to figure out and engage people, even in like like my son is, I have a fourth grader. They're doing STEM work now with them, and we got to mm-hmm. probably even catch them before high school and, oh, and start, for sure. start to plant the seed that you know what. You know, engineers are cool, architects are cool, they build cool things, they travel the world, they do all kinds of stuff. So it's a message that I think it's incumbent upon all of us. It's not just, you know, what can Tiffany at ISG do? It's it's what everybody that works or has some role within this industry, how do we all get the word out and encourage more people to get involved with this? Because without it, I mean, as I always tell design professionals, I mean, you guys do amazing things on a daily basis. You just sometimes don't realize it and sometimes it takes somebody from the outside looking in to be able to with that perspective to give you and tell you that what you do is important and but we need to let people know this even earlier in their career because i think that fosters a sense of establishment a sense of esteem that carries you through as you continue to grow and develop
1: oh for sure and i think you know when those people walk in the door too you know there's a lot of firms that put a lot of hard hard hours and effort into making the flow charts and the mentorship programs and things that are good, but they put so much effort into that kind of structural based progression of individuals that sometimes that can be limiting to especially the, you know, the younger generation that's, you know, they want more faster and they want to be involved. So we try to create the, the necessary structure to give them a path, but it's not so regimented where They look, okay, well, I'm not gonna be able to get into that sort of position for the next two years because that's not on the chart. Where we're kind of, you know, we're we're balancing by strengths. We're assigning them informally someone that's a mentor, but maybe they don't have a mentorship name badge, but that's what we're doing intentionally. And, you know, you can have that opportunity to be in that position quicker if you show the strengths. And I think that's something that we all have to be cognizant of of, you know, we say better decisions faster. If someone's got the drive and the aptitude, let's just fast track the skill learning and get them in those positions. They'll be happier. We'll be more successful. And we're not telling them that they have to have a birthday in order to you know, do what they really want to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100 percent. And it's so funny you brought that up because I'm actually working on a, a mentoring training program. To just to help design firms implement a better program. A lot of firms, up which I'm really surprised about, don't have a an official mentoring program. Sometimes it's more haphazard or it just kind of happens by accident. But I think like what you guys are doing and what other firms can do is if they become really intentional about creating that environment where mentors and mentees can come together and learn from each other. Uh, I mean, the sky literally is the limit at that point. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, so... All right, well, as we close out, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you. This is kind of like our lightning round, if you will. Round, I'm, what
1: ready. You I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm in I'm uh, in triple threat stance. <laughs> All right, cool. So real
0: quickly, what, whats what book have you read lately that's been a game changer for you?:
1: Oh gosh. Arts Principles actually is one I have on my desk. It's actually from a, a competitor slash partner, Arthur Gensler. Um, oh, yeah. And it kind of gives a look inside the world of uh, hard learned lessons in building a professional services firm. So this is very intriguing.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. That, yeah I, I, I'm familiar with Art Ginsler. and used to work with him back in the day. But uh, that's awesome. So that Arts Principles. Okay. What about uh, the, the latest movie you saw?
1: Oh, God, I have children. Um, <laughs> I, I, <you> know, <laughs> whatever so it is that isn't cool <laughs> Netflix
0: counts uh, or you could say Aladdin, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't hate you for that, so but.
1: Um, I'm going to have to take a hard pass because it's probably Power Rangers
0: 2.0 <laughs> oh, uh, or something okay. horrible. <laughs> all right. well, that's all good. That's not good. So, well, I would ask you your favorite restaurant, but since our audience lives all over the country, unless they're in Minnesota, but I, I will say that there are some really good restaurants in the Twin Cities between St. Paul and Minneapolis. You guys have a lot. There's a lot going on up there, and, and uh, I know that you. I know that you like the area. Obviously, you haven't left. You've been there for quite some time there, but uh, <laughs> it's great to visit in the summer. Maybe not the winter, but um, we'll <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that. But no, Tiffany, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to to sit down with us here on the Encourage Build Grow podcast. You know, our goal again is always to to help individuals become better leaders better communicators and ultimately better people. And I, I do believe that the the information and, and advice, and just what you share today is definitely helping people as far as that's concerned. So thank you so much. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on and
1: being a guest on the podcast. I appreciate it a ton and you rock Randy. Keep it going. <laughs> thank you so much.
0: Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of encourage bill grow. We are, are continuing to, to grow this podcast, this area of the business and, uh, We want to hear from you, so we'd love to get some feedback, Uh, love to know what you think about the podcast. Don't just uh, give us a rating or review, but also leave us a comment if there's something that you'd like to hear or someone that that you'd like to hear on the podcast. You'd be surprised at how persuasive I could be. I can get just about anybody on this podcast if I really want to, and I'm just kind of working through a, a top list of people now, like Tiffany and others that I've brought on the podcast, Ozzie Nelson, and so many outstanding individuals that really make this industry go. But I want to hear from you. And if there's anyone that you'd like to hear from, or even if you think you might be a good guest on the podcast, give me a shout out. Hit me up at randy at encouragebuildgrow.com. And I'll get right back to you right away. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, I appreciate each and every individual here. Like I say, when I go out and do trainings, you guys are making a difference on a regular basis by what you do in the design industry. So keep it up. Keep working hard. Know that you are truly valued and We certainly are here to support you any way that we can. So remember, encouraging you, building you up and watching you grow as leaders, as communicators and ultimately as better people. That's it for today. We will see you next week with another episode. And uh, that's all we have. So I'll see you soon. Bye.